Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Tonight's class is called Love the Sinner, Part 2. Good evening, Mark. Good to see you. Absolutely. The answer is... The summary of last week was you should love the sinner. That's a summary. No, no. Let's let, let, let truly catch, catch everyone up. Good evening, David. Before we go into the Tanya, that is Parva, yeah, thank you. Before we go into the Tanya, I'd like to start off with two introductions. You should love your fellow as yourself. At what point does someone not become your friend anymore? The Torah says you should love your re'acha. Love your, love your friend as yourself. Well, is there a point that we say someone is not your friend and you don't need to love them anymore? When they decide they don't want to be my friend anymore. That's their problem, not mine. So when someone decides they don't want to be your friend at that point, are you able to say, I'm done? No, that's actually a good, a good, a good point. <laughs> if you, last week, one of the items we discussed was how one can even hate. You were asking when, when can you not love somebody as your friend? Was when can you not love someone as your friend? Correct. When they're your relative. When they're your relative. <laughs> Thank you. This is going to be a funny class. So last week, we learned the Torah says you need to love your fellow as yourself the Torah also says, When you see your enemy's donkey, the Torah teaches us, If you see your enemy's donkey is burdened with so many items on it, it's about to collapse. It's about to collapse under its load. Are you going to let the donkey of your enemy just go and with his trouble, Azov Tazovimo, you need to support it. Okay, so if you see your enemy's donkey that has too much of a load, you must help unload the donkey. So you're not even you're worried about your enemy's possessions. Right? Yes, please. Is that is that because of what is it? Or is it because you should take the load off the poor donkey? That, has nothing to That's do a with fantastic that. question. What's the reasoning behind it? That's a very good question. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. But you're supposed the to unburden the, the donkey. The mitzvah is if you see a donkey that has too much, you should unload the donkey. So we ask how could the Torah say you see the donkey of your enemy? How can you have an official enemy? How could the Torah be giving you permission to have an enemy? Mm-hmm. Which we discussed, it's talking about someone who did a sin and there were no witnesses. So there's nothing can be done about this sin. So the Torah says in that scenario you, could, you should have negative feelings towards him. Yes, David. If, if I remember, I don't want to be a hook, but if I remember from 
some reading in one of the tractates, you are supposed to be sensitive to the plight of animals because they are animate beings. So exclusive of the fact that he's the enemy, you have to be sensitive to the plight of the animal. I understand. That was Garrison's question. Was it about the animal or the person? Maybe about, both. If I remember, it's yeah. about the animal. But it's I think it's more, than, it's more than the animal. I think it's also about the person. That's what I, I didn't want to... Now, now the question is, they already defined about... It's almost giving you permission, so to speak, about having an enemy. Right, right. So the issue is how are we to define... Right, how are we going to, right, right, right. We're not, I did say I would look into that. We're not, we're not going to get into it today, the definition of an enemy, what you should do about having an enemy. But I wanted to share with you as an introduction a Tosvos. Tractate Pesachim, all about Pesach, Kofiud Gimel, page 113, side B. Tosvos is like this. This is the same Gemara that says if you saw someone acting inappropriately and there's only one witness, mitzvah, least no, so it's a, it's a positive thing to have harsh feelings against him. This is tractate Pesachim? Pesachim, yeah. Okay. Oh. This discussion was part of why Moses struck down the, if I remember. Asks Tosfos a, a, a very, very powerful question. Tosfos says like this. You're telling me that if you saw someone acting inappropriately and there was only one person seeing it, you should have harsh feelings towards him. Tosfos quotes the Gemara that talks about unloading an animal. He says like this, V'im Toma, I have a strong question, he says. In a different tractate, in tractate, Baba Metziah, Amrinon, we say, what happens if you have your best friend and your worst enemy, both have an animal right in front of you. Oh, hey, lito, and your friend's donkey is about to collapse. Your friend's donkey is about to collapse. Oh, hey, you want to help remove your enemy, your, your friend, unload the donkey. Visone lito, but your enemy needs assistance loading up his donkey. So let's say, let's say the story again. Chaim has an enemy name, has a, his best, Chaim's best friend is named Yankel. Yankel is right in front of him and his donkey is about to collapse under the load. Chaim's worst friend is named Yehuda. And Yehuda, his donkey is not about to, to, is a, is not about to collapse. He just wants, he needs assistance loading up the donkey. Who should come first? If it was all about the animal, it's not a question. There's an animal about to collapse. Your friends, the animal is about to collapse. Of course you, but here it's more than the animal. The Gemara says, if your friend's animal is about to collapse, but your, enemy's an, your enemy needs assistance loading up his donkey, says the Gemara, mitzvah bisone. Assist your enemy first. This is very strong. Mitzvah Basoni, assist your enemy first. Why? Kidei lachofes yitro to bend your inclination. Naturally, you want to push aside your enemy. The Torah is actually saying we want you to try and reconcile things with him. So we're going to ask that you go and help your enemy first. Um, is that like to 
strive to be like Aaron? That's right. We're trying, yes. And remember, we're talking now about, an, about a fake enemy. We're talking about an enemy. It's an enemy that, if it's an enemy, this means it's an enemy the Torah is endorsing. Mm -hmm. An enemy the Torah is endorsing is not someone that you are passionately hate. It's someone that you've seen do inappropriate things. And therefore, the Torah is saying you shouldn't have respect for what he has done. Um, I'm, I'm, the definition I'm struggling with, because I may see somebody do something inappropriate that doesn't necessarily make them my enemy, it just makes them a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. No, no, I was laughing because I, I like the way you said it. You, you have a good point. Let's wait till we're going we're to get to that in Tanya. Well, honey, you don't like my <laughs> definition? I would like a different choice of words. Uh, Thank okay. you. Pretend there are children in here. The scumbag is from the original. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. Okay. okay. So the perfect solution is to unload your friend's donkey and dump it on. The Gemara says, "Take your enemy's donkey and help him, even though your enemy's donkey is not in trouble. Help him first to bend your evil inclination." Our evil inclination or the person's evil inclination? The person's inclination who has a friend and an enemy, we want him to bend his own inclination. The, the, the neutral person, not the evil. You're doing it, you're doing it for your... Okay, so I could see the person who does not have good behavior, that you would help them to show an example of righteousness. Right. Is that the point? No, we're saying you have some negative feelings towards him. We actually want you to go and assist him to try and break those. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Well, and that's exactly what I want to point out. So Tosos asks an unbelievable question. Remember, let's, we're, we've learned that you should not like someone who you've seen act inappropriately. At the same time, we've, we learned that you need to assist the person that you don't like first. One second, asks Tosvos, this doesn't make any sense. If you're not liking him because God told you so, so then you're bending your inclination that God told you to have? Oh, if God is telling you, if the, if the reason you're not liking this guy is because God said so, so now Hashem is saying, I told you not to like him, but really I want you to like him, so break your inclination. Let me read the question inside. Let me read the question inside. The hashta now makthias yetzer. What type of bending of the inclination shayich kivan the mitzvah lisnos? So if it's a command, if it's a positive thing to have harsh feelings towards him because he's acted inappropriately, so why are we trying to? Remove your harsh feelings. The Torah is telling you to have harsh feelings. So they, they'll have those harsh feelings. What's wrong with them? Why should you go and assist your enemy? If this enemy is someone who the Torah is encouraging you to have harsh feelings towards him, so why, is, why should you go and assist him first? The Torah itself is happy with your choice mm -hmm. to not like him. Yes, David. The Perkei of Bols distinctly says, do not keep the company of evil men. Okay, so how does that connect here? It will connect here because if it's somebody that you dislike because that person is evil, you're not supposed to get anywhere near him. So on the contrary, you're, you're saying that would be a reason not to assist him. Yes. I think why they want us to assist the person is that we should not be 
so keen to have judgment on people. We should be more tolerant, perhaps, of behavior, and also love the person, not the, not the deed. As which is so the, the, the Tosfos is going to say much deeper. He says something unbelievable. He says, sometimes we take things too serious and we actually start hating. <laughs> Let me say it in his words. I'll read it in his words. And then, V'yesh lomar, Kivan son o, once you don't like someone, you know what happens? Gam chavero soneo so, your friend is also going to start hating you. That's a quantum leap. Dechsev, kimayim hapanim lepanim. It's a verse. The verse says in Mishli that like water, just like when you look in water, you see your reflection, so too when you look at someone else's feelings towards you, you're looking at your reflection of your feelings towards them. So now, if you're having harsh feelings towards someone, they're going to not like you. So unfortunately, naturally, it's going to, it can lead you to Sina Gimura. You actually could start hating this person, truly hating them. So, simply to put, what Tosfos is telling us is, if we're all just following the word of God and nothing past that, so then there's no hate. Unfortunately, it's very, there's a lot of red lines that easily get drawn. Oh, I'm hating him, because, I'm doing it in the name of God. Relax, relax. They say the worst fights are the fights in the name of God, right? And everyone... So let me summarize the toast. Let me summarize the toast, and then we'll take questions. In summary, there are people the Torah says you need to dislike, but oftentimes we take it further than we need, and there's true hate all of a sudden put there. Yes, my Shemendo. What, what if that person you say somebody like Hitler? Would you? But you're you're just saying that that's we're not talking about extremes necessarily, right? Extreme enemies, extreme hate. Uh, would you help load his donkey first? Let me read you the next Gemara. I think it may help, and then we'll take questions. I know Dr. Malov had a question. Let me, let me say the next Gemara, and then we'll... The next Gemara is in Sanhedrin, page 45, side 1. Memheyamur Aleph. And this is how I, I started. Initially, I asked, I w until, until what point do we say someone is your friend, you need to love them? Does there come a time that you could say, you know what? I, I, I want to just, I'm done with him. I, I hate him. I just hate him. And the Gemara teaches us that when it comes to killing someone, Tractate Sanhedrin, page 55, it's talking about Methods of, of stoning a person. That means this is someone who unfortunately has committed a terrible sin. So you help them unload their donkey and then you stone them? No, no, no. We're in a completely... No, 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 no. I'm just trying to connect it. Are you being serious? Oh, you're making a joke. No, no, no. Okay. No, no. No, no. Good, good. Because I want to be clear. The two, the two Gemaras are, are separate. Here, the Mishnah tells us... The Mishnah is telling us how a person should be dressed when they're stoned. And the Mishnah said, and the, the Gemara shares that we don't want to humiliate someone, mm -hmm. even when they're getting, even unfortunately, they're going to be killed. 
We don't want to humiliate them. And how do we learn this? Says the Gemara. Said in the name of Rabbi Baravuha, Amakra, the Torah tells us, Love your fellow as yourself. This teaches us, says Rav Nachman, in the name of Rabbi Baravuha. Help me with the Hebrew here. I want you to. Biror. Biror, like Bereira. Um, Biror means choose. Biror lo, choose for him, Misa. Yafeh. This is someone the Torah itself is saying unfortunately needs to die. Yet from, from the Pasuk of love your fellow as yourself, the Talmud is telling us, we learn you need to choose the best method and, and for, for that person, the most respectful method. So this is a second introduction. That when we talk about the Ahaftal Reach it, it doesn't say, you know, at some point, you know, this guy just gave me a crooked nose, now I could hate him. Even someone that unfortunately needs to die, and Mishmendel, that's what I wanted to answer your question. The Torah does say that there are people, unfortunately, that, that are not able to remain alive anymore. But that doesn't mean that we need to humiliate them. We need to remove them from this world, unfortunately, should that happen. But we don't need to go ahead and embarrass them. We're not taking revenge mm. against them. Mm. Just one moment. I know there were a few questions. I'm trying to answer all of them with these two introductions. Dr. Malov. Well, I was thinking about, um, uh, you know, there's certain <laughs> sins uh, between one man and another. And yeah. other sins between man and Hashem. Yeah. So, um, I, I can kind of see bad feelings towards somebody for for something he did to affect other people. Yeah. But if he did something that only affects God, wouldn't it be better to just leave that to God and, and rather than take the the enmity on yourself? I mean There's a whole provision about he sentenced to death at the hand of God and you don't do anything, you let Hashem do it. Well uh, um In other words, Do you want to become Elijah the prophet? No. You don't want to? Does anyone here want to become Elijah the prophet? No. I'd rather be David the prophet. I, did, I didn't come, I didn't get any buyers. Let me just tell you a story. Okay, I was going to make it sound like a whole story. It's a story from the Torah. The story is that following the death of Korach, Korach wanted to make a revolt against Moshe. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that people were making fun of Moshe is, they said that Moshe married a Midianite. He married someone he wasn't allowed to marry. <clears throat> Moshe married someone he's not allowed to marry. And therefore, the Jewish men that were marrying or having inappropriate relations with um, people with women following the story of Balak and Bilam, mm -hmm. following the story of Balak and Bilam, the Midianites, um, Bilam wanted to, he knew he couldn't curse the Jews, so instead he tried to 
affect the Jewish people through temptation. Many Jewish people died at that point. One of the things that one of the leaders of the Jewish people did is he publicly took a non-Jewish woman and he had a relation with her. No, I mean, not, not publicly. Publicly meaning he made it public. Um, and this was, he was trying to make, make a point. Mm-hmm. What happened? What happened at this point was Moshe himself forgot the halacha. He forgot what to do. What do you do in such a case when someone is marrying someone they're not allowed to? And Pinchas came and he said, Moshe, do you remember you yourself taught me that uh, at the specific moment of the act you're allowed to kill them? Following the act, you can't kill them anymore. Well, they're dead. Okay. What? They're dead, how can you... No, following the act of intimacy. Oh. It, it, during this... If, if they're together at the moment, you're allowed to. If, if you kill them a moment later, you're actually responsible for their death, and you're responsible for the death penalty. It's a crazy halacha. It's a, it's a very... Oh, maybe because the purpose of the execution will... Because you're trying to prevent something, but if you wait too long... It's just revenge or something like that? I'm not going to go into the specifics of the halacha. This is a really crazy halacha. I'll tell you how crazy it is. Let me tell you how crazy it is. It's so crazy. If you went to Bastin and asked what to do, Bastin is going to say do nothing. If you don't ask, the halacha is you should go on yourself. But were the Midianites not This is the Allah, it's called Kanaim Poigin Boy. A zealot can go ahead and act. This, the halacha of a zealot, it's a very unique halacha. The halacha of Pinchas is that if you don't ask, the halacha is at the specific moment that they're together, you could go ahead and remove them. Otherwise, if you do ask, you can't. That's the halacha. Were not the Midianites monotheists? No. I, I don't know. Do you mean monogamous? Or, or no, monotheists. No. Monotheists. No. But we're the one God. No, that I know. But what does that have to do with... Well, because that would mitigate in favor of the Torah. That's the first point. And the second point is that when Moses' sister said a bunch of nasty things, she lost her speech. The, st- the reason Moshe... Moshe was not even a question why he was allowed to marry his wife. It was before, Ma- it was before the Torah was given A. And, and second of all, there was many things that happened. It's slipping my mind, all of the, the items before. It, this man was acting inappropriately. Mm-hmm. And, and Pinchas acted as a zealot. A zealot means he did something out of the ordinary, something a little strong. And what was his reward? He became Eliyahu Hanavi. Pinchas Eliyahu Hanavi. This is not Talmud. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not Kabbalah. This is clear. Pinchas became. He's the only person. Right? You all know the famous joke. A man comes to the rabbi. He says, "I want to become a kohen. I'll pay you any amount." So the rabbi says, "I can't. There's nothing I could do." He says, "Look, I'll pay you." So that was just tell me, why do you want to become a kohen? He says, "My father was a kohen. My grandfather was." Mm. You know, the only person who was not born a kohen and became a kohen was Pinchas. So there's something. Very special about him. So to go back, Dr. Malov, it's, we can't always just say that I'm just going to love everyone and they could do whatever they want to God. 
There are times where God says that as Jewish people, it is our responsibility to, to love God. And part of loving God is not to just allow people to run their own show always about saying whatever they want about God. Did that answer the question? Um, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think what we're learning here is not so politically correct. What would they say? This is not perhaps what is the, the way of the world right now. I think people are trying to make everything nice. The Torah, for example, does have corp uh, capital punishment, right? When it's appropriate, I'll let you I'm, I'm going to get there in one moment. I want to share one more detail. And it's a very firm Jewish belief, and I think it will help us a lot. Mark, I want, I want you to hear this belief. Punishment... Sorry, um, the words are slipping me now. Um, when the court or, or when there is a hardships are not punishments. It's slipping me. What's the word? Instead of punishments. When someone is, when someone has, let's say someone's killed, instead of calling it punishment, what else could you call it? Retribution. Um, not retribution. No, that's even worse. No, if the Torah goes ahead and says that this person needs to die, it's not a punishment. Because they can't this, is, this is what I wanted to say. This is, we, the Torah doesn't punish. Punish means that you're getting someone back. Or you're giving, what we learn is, that if someone has committed a certain sin, the way that they're going to, we're going to be able to remove that stain from them, and each scenario has its own way of refining that person. So, if, God forbid, the Torah says someone needs to die, it's not that they're going to go from here with this death and go straight to hell. No, no. The, the death itself in m many cases, in most cases, will actually allow them to go to heaven. We, as Jewish because people... It's like the atonement? Exactly. This is a very important... That's what I want. Thank you for that word. Atonement. We believe that the punishment is not a... It's not a method of punishment to get you back. But actually, when, when you are given a certain scenario, whatever may come, that's actually atonement. Yes, that's a very important point. Um, that perhaps will help. For example, when we're going back and talking about that story of Pinchas, that person who was committing that act, he actually was, through this ze zealous act of Pinchas, he actually, though, was able to go from this world to a better place in heaven. In the words that we'll learn later of Kabbalah, in the words of the Gemara, a challenge down in this world is to the least 180 times easier than anything that you would need rectification for in the, in the world to come. Sorry, Dr. Nav, I've gone on a little bit about this, but I just wanted to share that. Um, did you want to share something? Well, um, David, I have you in mind. I have you down. Okay. So in the Torah, there was this guy violating the Shabbos, um, and he was punished by death. Yes. And he was, I forgot what he was doing. Was he Gathering out? wood. Yeah, gathering wood. Yeah. Right. So. The father of, of the seven girls, Tzalafchad, Tzalafchad, 
Go ahead. I'm with you. I'm not sure yeah, yeah. Who it was, but um, but um, um, so I mean, if you take it to the you know, if you take it to the present time, I mean, there's plenty of people that violate the Shabbos. Ah, now you're already translating it to our time. If we, I, I was hoping to talk about practically today. I, I see we're running late on time, but I'll, God willing, I have, there's something very important for us to know. We should not be going ahead and uh, trying to kill everybody. No, 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 no. Not at all. Not in the slightest. We'll get to that. You're asking practically. Let, we'll talk. Even if you don't actually do something, though, what I'm asking is about the yeah. attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got it. That's what I'm asking. I'm going to try and answer it before we end tonight. I don't know if I will. Yes, David. Practically speaking, and in my experience, this is something important to know because Gentiles like to bring up the brutality, so-called brutality of the uh, New Testament and that there, or the Old Testament and that there's no forgiveness and, um, and being striking about us. First, the point that I made about death at the hand of heaven, man doesn't do that. And the second point is there were two judges that were talking, I think one of them was Hillel, and he said uh, that he had no more than one case of where somebody was killed in the judgments he had made over the years. And uh, the conclusion was that if you have nobody that has had to be killed over the years, that that's the most desirable situation. We learned that you at could, court. You could sure articulate it more accurately. No, I just, I just want, I want to add a court that has killed once in seven years, or according to other opinions, once in 70 years is called murderers. In other words, the court itself has a responsibility to, try, to not kill people if they can. You know? yeah. Mark, you were going to say something? This is it's such a that you covered so many things in a <laughs> Sorry. short period of time. Um, it's just it's, it's mind-boggling actually. So um, I apologize. No, so, in the <laughs> early days, back in the black and white days before there was color, um, they did they in in from religious communities, are these the rules that were followed? Or well, the Beth Din was the judge and decided one way or another, he said one person was killed. Who decided? I mean, is it, did it go straight to the court to decide? How did it happen? Academy sentences come about. Yeah, who decided, who, was, who made the judgment? Which judgment? On whether somebody had broken a rule and they were now... There's only one unique case where people are allowed to act on their own. That's a unique case, the case of Pinchas. Aside from that, and even that case, like I said, it's a very extensive case. Basically, someone who's going to... Pinchas, if he would have come a second earlier or later, he himself would have been responsible for the death penalty. That's a unique case that I don't want to go into the nuances now of it. Generally, only a bet din can, um, can do any sort of uh, action on someone. No one else can. The only conversation we had tonight was, in a case when there's only one witness, in order for a betin to do something, there needs to be two witnesses. If there was only one witness, in other words, you saw something inappropriate. Now the betin can't do anything about that. 
So I should be clear. If you're already test, if you're already testing me, I should be clear. The Gemara, which says you should hate someone, it's. Uh, I'll tell you clearly. It says like this. So you can revenge somebody who's not in the city of refuge. The Gemara is talking about Shiroa Bolas Devar Ereva. If you see someone who is um, having inappropriate relationships and there's only one witness, so that's a specific case where the Torah says that there's nothing can be done about it, but you should still have some rough feelings against that person. That's just, but you, and even those feelings shouldn't bring you to do anything to him. Did I answer some of it? Okay, I've got one more little... Yeah. So does this then just apply to Jews, or does it apply to non-Jews as well? That's a great question. I'm not going to get into it now, but the, non, the non-Jews have... No, no, I just want to say this. No, the no. non-Jews have seven Noahide laws, mm-hmm. and those seven Noahide laws we do hold them accountable for. Meaning, um, if, the, if the Jewish people were in control... If, if the Jewish people were in control of Eretz Yisrael, and they were following fully the law of the Torah, the non-Jews also have seven Noahide laws they need to keep. Um, past those seven Noahide laws, they're good. But those seven Noahide laws, they do have a responsibility to keep. Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What I'd like to do within the last few minutes we have, and, and if anyone needs to leave, I fully understand is turn to page 148. We're going to be on the left-hand column, even with regard. And we're going to try to get until the end of the chapter. And when we conclude the chapter, we're going to try and answer the practical questions that have been raised about today. So again, we're on page 148. Sorry, that's, I just need to quiet that down. Page 148. Let me quiet that. Do we have it down, even with regard? What is the first line of the passage? Even with regard. So now here we're going to learn, until now we learned that some of that is not your friend and doesn't know the Torah and doesn't do mitzvot and you haven't reproved him properly, you always need to love him. That's what we concluded last week. Now we're learning, even someone that's your good friend, and he knows the Torah, and he knows the mitzvahs, he's familiar with it, and you've reproved him, and he doesn't, he goes against the Torah. He, you need to hate and love. Mm. This, is, this is what we, was mentioned last week. You have to hate his negative actions, and love him for who he is. Even with regard to those, I'm going to go a little fast here. Even with regard to those who are close to him, even if it's your good friend, and this good friend, you have been so comfortable, and who he, whom he has rebuked, you've even been in a situation where you were able to tell him off clearly, and nonetheless they had not repented of their sins, which in this case the Torah says, you do need to have some hate for him, when he is enjoined to hate him, there still remains the duty to love them also. You have to hate and love him, and both are right. Hatred because of the wickedness in them, and love on account of the aspect of the hidden good in them, which is a divine spark in them. Every Jew has a divine spark. We, we love that. We love the Jew, but we hate their actions, which animates their divine soul. Now, Tanya continues, and if I had a, another class, I would just focus on here. Tanya is now going to tell us, you have, we said you have to love and hate, but sometimes you can't always do both. What happens if you need to choose? 
you need to choose love him better. Mm. That's what we're going to learn now. He should also awaken pity in his heart for the divine soul. Feel bad for that man. He's in a rough spot. Inside of this person is a divine soul which is held captive, as it were, in the evil of the Sitra Achara that triumphs over her in wicked people. That means within that person there is a godly soul that's unfortunately in bad space. Mm. Now the moment you have pity, compassion destroys hatred Mm -hmm. and awakens love. How do we know that compassion destroys hatred and awakens love? We actually have a text, as is known from the interpretation of the text. From Isaiah to the house of Jacob who redeemed Abraham. We learned that Jacob redeemed Abraham, and, and bear with me for a moment, Jacob, Ab- the first three of the Sephirot are chesed, gvur, and tiferet, kindness, severity, and compassion. The first of the forefathers is Abraham, kindness, Jacob, um, Isaac was severity, and Jacob was compassion. So uh, the verse in Isaiah is telling us that if you want to be able to go ahead and redeem Abraham, if there's, some, if there's, a, if there's a rough spot, always have compassion. So what we've just learned is that we need to love the good within a person, but hate their negative actions. And if you could only choose one for whatever reason, if there's a scenario where you have to act, better love. And the t- chapter is now going to conclude that there are some people that you need to have a consummate hatred, a very high level of hatred. And we'll talk about that. Don't, don't, don't leave the class until we finish speaking. But David HaMelech, King David, said, the ultimate level of hatred I hate. King David, who we learned was a tzaddik Gamar, the ultimate tzaddik, he said, I have the ultimate level of hatred. Let's see this inside. As for King David, peace unto him who said, I hate them with a consummate hatred. He was referring to Jewish heretics and atheists who have no portion in the God of Israel, as stated in the Talmud tract, Shabbos, beginning of chapter 16. Let me go ahead and summarize the three types of love we need to have, and let's try and answer Dr. Malov, and I think everyone here's question today, what is applicable? Practically speaking, in chapter 32 we learned, we naturally need to love every Jew. We have a natural we're all, we're all siblings. We need to love everyone. There are some people that you need to hate their actions and love who they are. And unfortunately we concluded that there are some people um, who we actually need to have a true hatred for them. And actually to Dr. Malov's point about talking about they, these are people who they've act, they're acting inappropriately to God. They're heretics. They've, they're, they're the nicest people to you. But they're going ahead and... Um, perhaps trying to affect other Jewish people to follow in their ways. So King David says you need to have the ultimate hatred. Again, this is Pasuk in Tehillim. I like differentiating what's Kabbalah, what's Talmud. You know, some people say, ah, it's Kabbalah. This is a quote from the Tehillim. I'm just pointing... Tachlit, the ultimate. Right. Sina, hatred. Sinei Sim, I hated. With the ultimate uh-huh. level of hatred, I hated. King David. Okay. With this summary, let me try and, and, and make this real to our, to our everyone sitting here. I think Mark asked, are we going to go now and start hating people? Should we all have, have rocks on us to stone? <laughs> you know. 
You know, unfortunately... I can do that. I mean, I just want to know... <laughs> you want to know what were you required to do? If you're required to throw stones... You know, God catch me up in traffic Well, and also the question is moot because as we all know, there are so many stoners around in the Oh, very good. So let's go now. Let's put this all together. Someone once came to the previous Rebbe and asked him, there is a section in the Torah, like we're learning now, that talks about people that you shouldn't be associated with. And when the previous Rebbe began what is known as Chabad today, I say the previous Rebbe because the idea of going out to other communities and affiliating with all Jews was something that the previous Rebbe did. There was a big backlash against him, very strong. You know, how could some of these people we're not allowed to have connections with, they're, you know, they're inappropriate. And to quote the people there, and they're trying to be Talmudic on the, on the rabbi, they're like, oh, look at this Talmud and this Talmud. And, and they said the halacha itself, and these are real halachot, I don't, the halacha itself says there are people that moridin velomal. There are people, the Shulchan Aruch itself, Code of Jewish Law says, that we're going to put them down and not bring them up. There are people that we shouldn't really be associated with. So they came to the previous rabbi and said, yeah, and, and what are you doing here? You're breaking, you're breaking the Torah. So the previous rabbi, he said, he said, those laws, and this is true, are in the end of the fourth portion of Shulchan Aruch. There's four portions of Shulchan Aruch. And the, the end of the fourth, it talks about this idea of different people. He says, if we are scrupulous, if we are fully following all the four sections until there, then we can try and understand that section. Until then, it's not our place. What was he saying? He wasn't saying that that section doesn't exist. But he was telling us that for us to be able to judge someone else, mm -hmm. we have to first judge ourselves. Are we acting appropriately? You know, there are some people that they're looking for a fight. So the moment you tell them that this guy is a bad guy, they don't care why he's a bad guy. They're, 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 they're up for the fight. That's, that, that's not at all what we're talking about here. We're not saying, it's not that someone has his gun loaded, he's like, just tell me who to shoot, I'm waiting. That's not our conversation here, God forbid. And that's why I pointed out about King David. King David, someone who is at the level of a tzaddik, a, a, the ultimate tzaddik, he, in other words, someone who is able to have the ultimate love, mm -hmm. he is able to say that there are certain people that I have, I'm not able to have any respect for. But someone that has not yet, like the previous Rebbe said, completed the whole Shulchan Aruch, it's not our job to, to now go ahead and start saying him. That's just an introduction to this idea of how we should apply practically. But let me share a few, a few points. Number one is, there is a halacha in the Rambam. Okay, so this is already going back. You asked about today. Let's go to the times of the Rambam. And I'm going to quote a little bit. The Rambam says, people in our generation, the Rambam's talking here. A thousand, gen a thousand years ago, I'm, I'm not sure right now how long. He writes, the people in our generation and their children 
which unfortunately their parents brought, raised them in a way that they didn't know about Judaism. So they are considered like a child that has been captured and grew up thinking he is another religion. Tinoch, these are key phrases here. If you remember nothing else, remember these two words. Tinoch, a child's chenish that's been captured. So the halacha is, what happens if a child was kidnapped, grew up as a Christian, and one day realizes he's Jewish? So should he be killed because he didn't keep Shabbos and he went ahead and married somebody? Said, of course not. So we say he's a tinok shenishba. He's a, he's a, a tinok, a child. Shenishba. Nishba could also mean to be captured. So he just didn't know better. And even though he found that he's a Jew, and he knows what the Jewish people do, we still say, he's as if someone has been forced to do something bad because he's been brought up with these perceptions. Similarly, continues the Rambam, someone who is, was, grew up in a scenario where his own parents perhaps didn't know better or intentionally, unfortunately, following the Holocaust, they tried to hide it. So they're like someone who just didn't know any better. And therefore, lefichach, therefore, it is our job not to push them aside, say, oh, they're sinners, but actually to run after them, to do teshuva, mm-hmm. to try and draw them closer with words of peace, until they come back to the full strength of the Torah. Mm-hmm. So the Rambam already shared with us that someone that unfortunately grew up in a scenario not knowing better, or even if he knew better, but the world around him is telling him otherwise. So in all of these scenarios, it's our responsibility to actually run after and try and love him, try and bring him closer. But the irony is, if this was, if this was a thousand years ago, yeah. he's already talking about assimilation a thousand years ago. Unfortunately, very true. That's the, uh, no, unfortunately, we, we do know that there were a lot of challenges already. In the times of the Rambam, yeah. yeah. So is this where, because you're talking about the Friedrich Rebbe? When you were saying... The like, story was from the previous Rebbe, right. yeah. And he's the one that started um, the emissary. Right, 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 right. Schneerson, S-O-H-N. So he must have gotten a lot of resistance within Chabad itself for doing that. Within Chabad, he was the leader, and most people understood that a rabbi knows what he's doing. Most people didn't challenge him. I'm going to give you an example, a really fascinating example that that the rabbi was challenged with. The rabbi went ahead and said and encouraged people to go and put on tefillin with others. You can't imagine. I mean, I could uh, print you article after article where people fighting with the Rebbe that he's going against every halacha. You don't know what these people did last night. You don't know how they could be filthy. Maybe they never had a brit milah. These were people, and they're pulling all these Talmudic sources off. Today, the whole world is following and putting on filling with another. But just you think about when you try and do something novel, you can automatically get a lot of, uh, a lot of kickback. So... Um, so, so let's try and sum, sum, put it all together. We need to love everyone regardless. There are places in the Torah where it says there's people you shouldn't love. What I think is important for us to know is that today, 
And I say today, this was something we were told specifically following the Holocaust, where unfortunately a lot has happened and people have been brought up otherwise. We're supposed to love everyone. And we should not be going with... So I apologize, Mark, but you need to empty your pocket of all the rocks and not hurt anybody. And that could have happened in many generations. Absolutely. It could have happened after the... Following the Inquisition. Inquisition. Absolutely. Unfortunately, this is not something new to us. Correct. That's why the Rambam spoke about it so long ago. So even if someone cuts you off in traffic... Here's the question. If somebody cuts me off in traffic and I see them broken down further down the highway, is it now my responsibility to stop and help them? The answer is, if there was someone that was nice to you on the road your friends, and there's someone now that's been mean to you on the road, and half a mile later you see them both stuck, you actually need to help your enemy first. That's what we learned. I know, but I'll struggle with that. <laughs> you should know, I said that because, <laughs> practically speaking, we learn there are people that say there's a mitzvah to help another who's been broken down from this law of the donkey. So it's yeah. interesting you mentioned it.